we are going to uh, consider once again the uh, subject of, of love. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Today, for our message on love, we are going to look at three obstacles or three blocks to living this life of love. Not that there are only three, but these are three major ones that we need to know about, and we are going to take them up this morning. To give them to you in advance, they are judging, self-righteousness, and legalism. Judging blocks, self-righteousness blocks, and legalism stops love. All three are condemned by our Lord Jesus in the Bible, and today we will spend some time with them and, uh, and also see why they are blocks to love and compassion. Before our first point, though, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are uh, going to go into your word and seek to learn correctly from your word some important truths that will enable us to be more conformed to your Son, the Lord Jesus, and that will enable us to bring glory to you. Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we ask that uh, you would be pleased to be with this time of preaching and listening and responding, and that you would be that you would be pleased to lead us so that uh, you are honored. Please, in your grace, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Point one, judging blocks love. By judging, we mean analyzing others evaluating others, usually in a negative way. We mean focusing on what is wrong with others. Uh, Matthew 7, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. Look with me at John chapter 9 and the story of the man born blind. Once again, please, look with me in your Bible or in a Bible to John chapter 9. And uh, I'm going to first of all read the first three verses of John chapter 9 in the story of Jesus healing the man born blind. Verse 1, 
As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As Jesus and his disciples go along, they come upon a man blind from birth. This man, because of his blindness, is no doubt begging in a public location, uh, along the side of a road or uh, by one of the gates of Jerusalem. The disciples of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus do what here? They judge the man for his blindness. They say among themselves, either he or his parents messed up. Either he or his parents sinned. We don't know which it is, but it's one of the two. And they focus on what is supposedly wrong. They judge. And notice, that is as far as they go with the man. For judging blocks love. I've mentioned a number of times in the past uh, uh, our youth mission trips that uh, we would take summer after summer. A number of years ago, some of us on one of those trips were in Chicago. And uh, some of us went over to a soup kitchen and uh, helped out there for two or three or four nights. Perhaps some of us who did that went on to think concerning the men and women who would go to that soup kitchen. Well, that's what happens when one is lazy. That's what happens when one refuses to work. Or that's what happens when one drinks too much. Or when one becomes involved with drugs. One has to look for handouts. My friends, that is judging. Judging is evaluating others usually in a negative way. It's focusing on what is supposedly wrong with others, letting that govern our thinking. And that's wrong, and we're not to do that. And that will block us living a life of love. Now, to go back to the story of the man born blind, do you remember what Jesus does in that story? John chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus heals the man. Jesus moves toward the man and cares for him because Jesus sees a person while the disciples see a wrong. 
Jesus sees a need while the disciples see a sin. Jesus sees an opportunity while the disciples see a problem. And so I want to ask, what do, what do you see when you look at people? A wrong? A sin? A problem? Or a person? And an opportunity? The reason judging blocks love is... Judging blinds a person with the imperfections of others. Judging will not look beyond. Judging will not get out of its eyes those imperfections. And so judging blocks love. Paul Miller tells the story of being in downtown Philadelphia one day with a friend. And in downtown Philadelphia, a homeless person passes them. And as the homeless person does, he says something to them. But Paul dismisses him. He just dismisses him. Paul said, as we were walking away, my friend asked me, why did you talk to him like that. He just wanted to know where the local mission was. Judging blinds us with the imperfections of others. We can't get beyond that. We can't look beyond that. And so judging blocks love. Let me close our first point with this quote. In order to be of service to others, We have to die to them. That is, we have to give up measuring. To die to our neighbors means to stop judging them, to stop evaluating them, and thus to become free to be compassionate. Compassion can never coexist with judgment because judgment creates a distance, which prevents us from really being with the other person. Do not judge is a word of Jesus that is indeed very hard to live up to, but it contains an important element of a compassionate ministry. Let's move on. Point number two, self-righteousness blocks love. Judging blocks love and self-righteousness blocks love as well. Self-righteousness is where we are taken up with our goodness. Uh, uh, Judging is where we are taken up with the faults of others. And self-righteousness is where we are taken up with the goodness of ourselves. It is where we think we are so right. Where we think we are so great. It is where we are centered on our wonderful character and accomplishments. It's illustrated for us by the Pharisee in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke 18, verses 9 and following. I'd like you to turn there now in God's word. Luke 18 
And I'll read verses 9 through 12. Starting at verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like all other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. The Pharisee looks at himself and sees a truly nice guy to contemporize it. He gets along with his neighbors. He pays his bills. He doesn't cheat the government. He's faithful at work. He gives money to charities. He coaches baseball. He doesn't abuse his wife. He's a good father. He goes to church. He is John Q. Citizen at his very best. And he is full of that. Do you know anyone like that? No, let me ask this question. Are you like that? Are you full of being a truly great person? Look at what self-righteousness does. The end of verse 11. I thank you that I am not like all other men, or even like this tax collector. Doesn't sound too much like love, does it? Doesn't sound like they are the words of compassion. The Pharisees' self-righteousness, like the disciples' judging, blocked his heart from loving others. The Pharisees' self-righteousness kept him from showing compassion to others. It did not send him to people with love. It rather took him away from people with arrogance. His self-righteousness so elevated him in his own eyes that there is no way that he is going to love others. In the parable of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son returns, the father, we read, runs to his son, throws his arms around him, and kisses him. However, the other son, the, the older son, who represents the Pharisees, does not respond that way. He does not show any love at all. In fact, he is livid with anger when he hears that his father is throwing his brother a party. Because, compared to his younger brother, he is so much better. He has accomplished so much more. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. He's caught up in self-righteousness. And self-righteousness blocks love.
I asked you uh, a few minutes ago, are you self-righteous? Do you think in reference to yourself that you're rather nice? You're rather great? Do you want to know the answer to that? Would you, would you like to know for the sake of loving others if you come off like you are better than others? Ask. First of all, Ask the Lord Jesus. Ask him to show you, ask him to make known to you where you are here. What's the verse? Ask and it shall be given to you. Ask. And then number two, ask, ask those around you. Ask someone who knows you, who is close to you, and who will have the courage to speak the truth when you ask. Before we close out point number two, very briefly, here are two reasons why self-righteousness blocks love. A, self-righteousness elevates us in our own eyes so highly that we think we are so better than others and thinking that prevents love. Quote, the better we think we are, the less we can love. Isn't that interesting? The better we think we are, the less we can love. The more we see our need, the more we'll turn for help, and the more we'll help others. And then B, when we are self-righteous, when we think we are so great before God and others, that makes us self-centered. And self-centered people do not love. Self-centered people are too absorbed, are too engrossed, are too enamored with themselves to concentrate on others, to be taken up with others to love others. And so point two, once again, is self-righteousness blocks love. Point three today gives us our third great obstacle to living a life of love, even as Christ loved us. Point three is legalism blocks love. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 11, verses 37 and 38. Once again, with your Bible or with a Bible, uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 37 and 38. These two verses read, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. It was a rule of the Pharisees in Jesus' day that a person was to ceremonially wash his hands before eating, 
This was one of their commandments, ceremonial hand washing. Jesus, however, on this occasion, did not do that. Here, he just goes into the house of this Pharisee and reclines at the table. Here, he does no washing. He simply reclines to eat. And the Pharisee, we read, was astonished. He was astonished. He was also, I think we can say, upset. And I think we can further say, any chance the Pharisee had of liking or loving Jesus went out the window with that. For Pharisees were hung up with performance. Keep their commandments, follow their rules, fine. Don't follow their rules, you're in trouble. They performed in order to be accepted and loved by God. They performed in order to be accepted and loved by one another. And they demanded performance if one was to have their acceptance and love. Performance brings love. Legalism here is doing things my way or else. It is living up to my standards or else. Or else we have another obstacle to love. Legalism demands that you earn my love or else. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha. He's to have a meal there. The two women are expected to prepare the meal and make everything ready. You know the story. Martha is doing that, but Mary is not. In fact, not only is Mary not helping with the meal, she is doing something that supposedly only a man is permitted to do. She is sitting at the feet of a rabbi. She is taking the position of a disciple listening to Jesus teach. And the rabbis said that it was a sin to teach a woman in that way. But here is Mary learning from Jesus. How does Martha react? Well, you remember she's upset. She's mad. Here's the full context. She goes to Jesus and she says, my sister is supposed to be with me, helping me with food preparation, and she isn't, and she isn't supposed to be with you, sitting at your feet, and she is. Do you see what can happen if we fall into legalism? If we get hung up with people having to do what we think they ought to do? Performance 
then we love. No performance, then we do not love. Legalism is a third great obstacle to loving others. What kind of love does the Lord Jesus have for his people? Is it a conditional love? Or is it an unconditional love? Does he love us if, or does he love us, period? He loves us, his people, unconditionally, does he not? He loves us, period. The, the death of Christ for us, because we were so nice, because we became so good, he died for us. Since we are so holy, he went to the cross for us. No, while we were still sinners, while we were still rebelling, Christ died for us. We are to love others like that, unconditionally, and live a life of love as Christ has loved us and given up himself for us. I have, I have known many, uh, many wonderful families uh, in and out of our church. Uh, I have known spouses who have uh, greatly loved their husbands uh, and uh, wives. I have known parents who have greatly loved their children. If the spouses and parents would have been legalists, however, I would not be able to say what I've just said. For legalists are not great lovers. But they were not legalists. And so they loved greatly. And so let us not ask people to jump through our hoops in order to have our love. Let us love. Let us love them like Jesus loves his people unconditionally. Let me say it again. We Christians are to love others. That's part of our vocation. It's part of our calling. We are to live a life of love. We are to love others deeply. We are to love others sincerely. We are to learn to love like the Lord Jesus to the glory of God. In reference to that, let's remember from today's message that there are obstacles that there are blocks to us doing that. Three major ones are, I'm focused on your imperfections. I'm focused on my goodness. And I'm focused on you jumping through my hoops. Three major obstacles to living a life of love. 
Let's ask the Lord to deliver us from these three hindrances so that we might do his will. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for the love of the Lord Jesus. And may that, that love, more and more and more be in us and be an example for us. May we bring glory to you by being people who love We pray in Jesus' name, amen.